Good afternoon, everybody. This is Mike Edel and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hop Union. This is the third episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Vines. And uh, today's a very special day. I happen to be on the East Coast in New York City visiting one of our great partners, Brian Bouchard from Country Malt Group. And we have the good fortune of being able to sit down in the new McKellar Brewery located at City Field where the Mets play baseball. And we're going to be speaking with the head of brewing operations, Jim Raris. Uh, Steve, it's a good day. It's, a, it's 70 degrees. It's finally warm, and it's going to be a great day for baseball. Very appropriately, the Mets are playing the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, gosh, I remember the last game I went with you, Brian, uh, to watch the Mets play. Uh, hopefully they don't repeat that today. I think that game was over uh, after the first pitch, so it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> much of a game from my perspective. I think you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it that, was, was, that was the Mariners and Mets, and the, yes. yeah, the, the, the Mets that day looked like they were the 1961 Mets. It was, it was an abysmal day. So. Yeah. The beer was good. The beer was good. That's right. and, and we have some great beer here today. I, you know, we tell you – uh, Andy Arsenal, our, our East Coast uh, uh, regional sales manager, and I had the pleasure of stopping by to visit the, this McKellar Brewery back in December when it was still under construction. Uh, and it's uh, it's a wonderful space, uh, very uh, inviting. They've got really good beer on, on, on tap. And uh, right now, Brian and I are enjoying a Henry Hops beer. It's, uh, it's one of McKellar's flagship beers. Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about the about this beer and uh, tell us how it's going so far? Sure, absolutely. Thanks for coming by and inviting us to the podcast. Um, so Henry Hops is one of six beers, and we call these beers our ballpark beers. Uh, they're, they're essentially house beers, but since our home and brewery is in a ballpark, we felt that that would be appropriate. Uh, we have 60 draft lines in total, which is quite a few. And we'll have a, a pretty broad mix of different people coming to visit us here. So we wanted to make sure that some portion of those 60 draft lines were beers that people could always get. If someone came in and had Henry Hobbs IPA or Say Hey Sally Pilsner and, and really that resonated with them, we wanted them to be able to come back and have that same beer. So, um, you know, that and the fact that it's you know helpful in, in some respects from a production planning profile and whatnot and purchasing, um, we have those six beers. Henry Hobbs is one. It's a... Pretty straightforward beer, six and a half percent IPA. Uh, I call it an American IPA. It's uh, not clear, not as as hazy and milky as perhaps some people uh, trend towards these days. It's got Simcoe, Citra, Mosaic. Um, just an, a, a nice beer to drink, and uh, they have it in the park. They drink a decent amount of it in there as well. Very nice. Uh, you have 60 beers. How many of those are McKellar beers? And how many of those are guest taps? And how do you go about choosing which uh, which beers to have on tap? So right now it's a progression. We've only been brewing at this location for it's called six to seven weeks, maybe hasn't been that long. Uh, so ultimately our target is to have about 20 beers that are actually brewed and produced here at McKellar NYC on that on that draft board at all times. And the intention is to have still have the majority of the beers be from McKellar from all the worldwide locations. So whether they're made in Europe or in San Diego. So that leaves about guest taps will represent what's called between probably 10 and 12 of the taps. And then we have a, hand, a couple of taps. We have cold brew coffee and uh, we have a wine tap, which actually at this point, uh, the McKellar uh, uh, beer geek Riesling, which is, it was Nicholas uh, wine. 
So, uh, so we're looking forward to filling those up with a lot of our own beers right now. We have about uh, half a dozen beers on tap that we've made here. Terrific. And then I know you're here at City Field, but you really uh, view yourself as a community brewery here in, in Flushing, right, in New York. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's pretty cool when we, we just recently were doing some, like, admin stuff, and 80% of our employees actually live in Queens, myself included. Uh, you know, part of that's that the commute's a little easier. And, we, you know, this the New York brewing community is amazing and has been really receptive to us in this project and um, you know we're doing a collaboration here on monday with the guys from other half nickels uh, flying over on sunday we're brewing here on monday and then brewing at other half on tuesday so two different versions of the same beer and everyone's really welcomed us with open arms and we definitely do feel very very much a part of the community here Jim, on the, on, on the Acoma end here, Jim, I've got a Henry Heater and a Henry Hustle. And nice. I'm going to put myself on the spot here. I'm, I'm picking up a very strong sense of Citra hops in both of these beers. I'm hoping that uh, that's the case. It's got uh, a little bit of Citra in both of them. That's accurate. Okay. It seems like you've, uh, you've picked hops a couple of times. <laughs> the, the nose on the beers are absolutely amazing. And this Henry Heater, I tell you, I there's a little bit of time between uh, getting you guys set up and me on this end, and I feel like I've got one high and tight about it. <laughs> but awesome beers. You guys are doing a great job. Yeah, they really are fantastic beers. And, 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 you know, it's so exciting to have McKellar, other half you mentioned, and uh, Six Points, so many uh, single cuts, so many great breweries now in the New York area. I mean, Brian, you've been you're up from upstate New York, Brian, uh, from Champlain. Uh, tell us what you've seen happen and evolve with uh, the craft beer industry here in, in the New it's, York City area. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, New York City, New York as a whole, I mean, uh, I'm impressed by what the state is doing uh, to try to drive growth in uh, in th this segment. Um, we do have Empire Malt, which has been a, a really good play for us, uh, which is New York State Agriculture and uh the community of New York, uh, the New York State Group Craft, uh, the Brewers Guild. Uh, I don't know if you guys are part of that, but yeah. I mean, it's definitely a uh, uh, community. Uh, they've all worked together to for a common goal of, uh, of growing New York craft beers, uh, not only in the state, but elsewhere. So we're proud to be part of New York State, albeit uh, Plattsburgh was about 50 degrees colder this morning than it is here. <laughs> So we came down looking like Eskimos, and uh, we're tearing clothes off the down. second we got off the plane. Well, it's so. been crazy cold. I mean, every game we watched this this last couple of weeks in baseball, regardless, seems like it's really cold. I, you know, I'm a Twins fan, you all know. Everybody's going to those games looking like they're ice fishing. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they all have uh, those grumpy old men hats, you know, Ward, uh, Walter Mapp yeah. hats. Yeah. You know, and, and they should be ice fishing and, and, and sipping off bottles of, of Canadian Club or something and not drinking beer. So it's going to be really nice when the temperatures warm up and all of our good customers can start selling selling beer again, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we came across the lake this morning uh, to go out of Burlington. And uh, still ice in still some, ice. some of the sections. No one's out there, fortunately, fishing. But, but there's usually one that goes through the ice here. <laughs> Uh, you know, Jim. Jim uh, mentioned earlier he uh, grew up in uh, in Massachusetts, and so being Brian's a big Mets fan, and, and Jim a, a Red Sox fan, we got to talk about 1986, right? <laughs> I'm <laughs> <laughs> It was it was a seminal moment in my 
adolescence as well as my uh, baseball fandom. Unfortunately, I, I came out on the wrong side of it from a wins and losses perspective, obviously. But it, um, it it's an interesting foundation, I guess, with which to be here. And even if you <clears throat> look around on, on some of our T-shirts and in the windows, we have a you can't see it on this podcast, but there's a large mural that our art director, Keith Shore, who does a lot of the great illustrations for us and whatnot, uh, put together. And it's Henry, who's one of the McKellar characters, sliding into home plate, and Sally's the catcher, and tagging him out or safe, depending upon <laughs> how you call it. Uh, and the number on his shirt is 86, there which, of course, is yeah, the, the World Series mm -hmm. championship here. But Brian, I mean, you were you're from upstate New York, and uh, you were a, more of an Expos fan and eventually a Mets fan. I grew up an Expos fan, particularly a, a Gary Carter fan. And when Gary Carter came to oh, uh, sure. to New York, so did I. Yeah. Um, and then uh, obviously everybody remembers obviously Bill Buckner, but it's sad for him because he had a, an amazing career, he had a great career, yeah. and for him to be remembered for that, it's the question is why was he even in there at that point in the game? Yeah, because uh, of his ankles, but. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's too bad he, he would be remembered for that. But I do have a thing uh, at home in my in my man cave that's that's signed by Bill Buckner and and uh, Mookie Wilson. Oh so wow, I'm pretty cool. Proud of that. I was so in, I was down in spring training two years ago, and Bill Buckner was down there signing autographs. And no lie, I handed him the ball to get him to sign it. He dropped it and it went right between his legs. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Did the Expos end up becoming the Nationals? Is that, yes, that's, that's, right. That's, that's right. And so now the Expos came down, and then they're actually like a divisional rival. They're the Mets now. So do you have any conflict? Is there? Are you? Oh, you're, none no, whatsoever. No, nope, I was probably nine when Gary Carter went to the Mets. So yeah, that was a few years. Great, ago. Eight, great ball player that passed away. I was I was yep. a catcher when I was playing up through mm -hmm. uh, high school and whatnot. And he was. He was one of my favorites. He and Johnny Bench and Thurman Munson, those yep. guys were fantastic. Hey, hey Brian, did, did he take over for Jerry Grody? It was was Grody the catcher right before uh, Carter, or was another guy in between there? I don't know. I don't know. I remember Grody was the uh, catcher when the uh, that great team in 69, the amazing Mets. And, and I have uh -huh. to say that uh, that team, I was a young guy who was just developing a love for the game. And to see that group of uh, uh, New York ball players that weren't the Yankees actually be successful, and it seemed like every they had a great pitching staff with Jerry Kuzman, Tom Seaver, and a young Nolan Ryan, but the yep. guys out in the field were just a bunch of guys, a bunch of no-name guys that uh, had career years and really put it together uh, to win the World Series that year, and and. Uh, that was just a, a great team for me and, and, a, and a very strong part of my uh, developing a love for the game. Was it Tug, Tug McGraw was on that team too, wasn't he? Was 73 he was. Yeah. I don't know if he was there. I don't remember that. There, uh, Don, McCl uh, Don Clendenin was on first base. I think he was the series MVP that year. But uh, that, that outfield, Cleon Jones, Ron Svoboda, gosh, he was making those stretched out catches all through the uh, – National League Championship Series and the World Series, and then Tommy Agee was uh, the other outfielder, I believe, on that team. Yep, yep. I feel like, I don't want to say for certain, but I feel like I heard someone say this, that if you look out these windows here, we're over by the right field gate to City Field. There's actually a, a picture 
out there of someone diving like that. I think it is for both. Yeah. 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 Well, Brian, you know, we, the country malt group has been a very strong partner with the Yakima chief hop union for many years. Uh, we have worked together to help build the craft industries, um, um, distribution for hops. Of course, Yakima Chief Hop Union only does the hops, and, and you've focused on the malts and together now with the with the hops and, and the yeast. And we've had a great relationship, and you built a tremendous business starting out of uh, starting out of your garage in, in Champlain how many years ago? Uh, and, uh, yeah, 1995 uh, with your father, right? And uh, maybe just tell us a little bit what's going on with your business now, how 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 you see things happening in the in the craft sure. right now. Um. Yeah. It's, we, we started, like Mike said, in 95, and uh, now we've got about 11, 12 warehouses across North America. Um, everything is a drive to local, we're seeing, and, and quality, right? Uh, make high-quality products. Um, the, brew, the customers seem to want to uh, know the brewer, know the ingredients, uh, and understand the, so the supply chain. Mass production is not something that seems to be, uh, obviously, uh, you can see what's happening with the big brewers and, and, uh, and the contraction that we're seeing in that space. So, um, but I do see craft continuing. I mean, we'll, there will be some casualties as, as we go, um, but innovation, making a quality product, uh, being involved in part of the community uh, will is a successful recipe, I think, for the future. Community is so important. We've talked about it in the first couple of uh, podcasts. Well, Jim, what, what are you doing here in McKellar in terms of sort of working within the community here and getting 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 the New York vibe going? I think to, to what Brian said, it's, it's a, a lot about the experience. And we have a pretty interesting and most likely unique position here where we have a, a pretty broad range of people that, that will come in. We have people who come in seeking one specific McKellar beer or, you know, guest beer that we have on tap or on our bottle list. Or, and then we also have people who come in and probably haven't had that or definitely haven't had that much experience with crab. So we have to be able to run that continuum uh, run the gamut in terms of being able to relate and, and give everyone a good experience. That's our goal is to give the best beer related experience. But we, we think it's a real huge opportunity as well as a, uh, uh, a responsibility to be able to educate people in a way that's not stuffy or snobby. Uh, I mean, we we want to make the best quality product. I think you know most of our peers do, and I think a lot of people do that well. And I think some of the more interesting conversations I've had over the last year, whether with people from the wine industry or people from food or from in the spirits business, is how do we take that high quality product and make it not snobby, make it still exactly the same quality at the, at the height that it can be, but accessible and comfortable for people. And that's really what we're trying to do here. Well, I say the beer is fantastic. It uh, is. Uh, do you, have you had much chance to interact with uh, your your colleagues in McKellar back in Denmark? Has that been anything you've had a chance to spend much time on? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic environment. I mean, the ideas that float around and go back and forth, you know, Mickle's extremely involved in this project, and uh, he'll be here. On, he'll be flying in on Sunday uh, this coming, so that'll be really fun. To we have a, a pretty aggressive schedule lined up to do a bunch of stuff, but he and I speak frequently. Uh, Is there anything that you're doing in particular 
different than what they're doing back in Denmark here? Or is it, are you approaching the customers the same way or is there a, a different way you're, you're interacting? I mean, we, we've definitely stolen some things from them for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, like why re reinvent the wheel, which sure. is already a good thing sure. going. So that whole, you know, the ballpark beers and the idea of house beers is definitely something that they do really well mm -hmm. in, in Europe already. So we basically just adopted that and, you know, collectively came up with the beers that we wanted to be encompassed in that. But everyone, uh, including Mikkel and Jakob and everyone in Denmark, realizes that this is a very unique location. We're in a, a major league sporting stadium. And, uh, you know, so we have a, there's a TV in the room that we're in right now. And there's no other TVs in any of the crowd. But to be in a baseball stadium and not have a TV would be strange to say. Not having a TV watching baseball. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Showing baseball. Uh, so things like that. But you look around the room, you know, trying to give people a visual. This, you know, this board and batten that's in this room and the chairs and the, a lot of the interior design is very McKellar. It feels, you know, people, I'd say probably one of the biggest compliments from a development and construction perspective on the front of house side that people give us, including, you know, Mikkel and Jakob and whatnot, is they come in, they say, you know, this feels inviting to me, and it feels like a McKellar bar, like, different. Right. So, and I think that's the thing that they've been incredible at doing across the world, is being able to have this common thread that makes it very, like, unmistakably McKellar, but in a lot of ways, everyone has a different approach to it. So each facility is more part of its community than it's in, almost. Your part, your your McKellar at heart, but you're but you're able to adapt to the community that you're part of. Absolutely, I think there's a lot of autonomy, and I think that's really the key thing. Like there's a, a thread in terms of the feel and the design that we want to have some association with, or, or material association with, and also the you know the bar in terms of quality, right? Mm -hmm. That that never is is a question. It's just it has to be where where it needs to be, and that's, mm -hmm. that's at a high level. But other than that, you know, I think there's a an understanding that different things are going to work better in different places. Uh, you know, I think we're, you know, in New York, we're probably positioned a lot better to sell a lot more lager than perhaps, you know, San Diego is in San Diego and things of that nature. And yeah. I'd say that, you know, either by experience or just be due to being open and creative and, and inventors and entrepreneurs at heart, like Michael's mm -hmm. like, you know, just, Go go with it, and um, you know we talk about everything, and we we have a shared vision on what we're what we end up executing. But this is not you know there's no real guardrails that restrict us from doing what we need to do to be the best that we can be in this particular place. Right. Steve, what's uh, I've been on the East Coast all week. What's happening back in Yakima, and how's uh, how's the uh, the twining going? Yeah, I've been out and about, and uh, growers are out there. I, I think the key this time of the year. Every hop variety has their optimum training date, uh, that time when uh, we go out and, and get that little vine on the string. And they're trying to get their timing down with their twining and their burn backs. Uh, uh, on the way up here this morning, I saw a couple of uh, flame tractors out in the uh, field burning back that hill of hops to kind of hold them back so that uh, they come out of the the, the ground and they're ready to train at the right time. Um, uh, they use uh, fire flames to do that. They also use some desiccants and uh, a few guys use uh, kind of some mechanical methods to, to beat those back. So uh, uh, the hops are coming out of the ground. Uh, guys are getting their timing down right behind the burn back. Uh, a lot of guys will put their uh, uh, string in the ground, do their twining and uh, 
we wait for that first week of May when uh, crews will be out there uh, starting those little binds up the string. Snowpack, snowpack good this year? I mean, uh, water doesn't look to be an issue? Or? It, it's excellent this year, Brian. We've got uh, plenty of uh, snowpack up there, and the reservoirs are right where we want them to be this time of year. Water shouldn't be an issue. In general, right on schedule, right on track. Any any uh, concerns or all looking good so far, Steve? Yeah, the only concern is that we had a pretty open winter here uh, in contrast to the winter we had uh, two winters ago when we had lots of snow on the ground and cold temperatures. So there's a little bit of concern in the back of some growers' minds uh, that maybe we didn't get the uh, dormancy period that uh, we normally get and there might be some... Uh, sleeper hill issues out there um, I was out and about over the weekend out in some yards uh, looking for signs of that and uh, I think we're in pretty good shape but uh, uh, that if it does develop will develop over the next couple of weeks here so we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled and uh, hope for the best very good I think a lot of people are getting ready to head to Nashville in a couple of weeks for the craft brewers conference that should be um, as always very interesting and exciting um, I know we've got, uh, we're excited. We're going to be um, having a pretty good sized group of our growers there and our um, um, uh, grower event on, uh, is that Tuesday night, Steve? Yep. Yes, uh, that's our Here We Grow event uh, where we uh, partner up with not only Country Malt Group but Select Botanicals Group and uh, put on a little shindig for the, uh, for the growers to celebrate that, uh, that connection uh, between brewers and growers. Uh, Always nice to have Brian and his group there uh, because uh, certainly uh, if it weren't for the uh, barley growers, it'd be awful tough to make uh, beer as well. So looking forward to that. That's become uh, quite the annual event for us. Yeah, that is a big event. We're very proud to be part of that with uh, with YCH. Uh, this year's a special event, event for us. Uh, as Mike mentioned earlier, my dad, who started the business with me, had just had a very... Uh, Important birthday. Um, he's turned 80 years old. He probably going to kick me to shins when he sees me for saying <laughs> that. But he claims this is his last year, so we are going to send him off at that event as a thank you uh, for his contributions to, to Country Malt. It's a very special people in our company. So oh, very special. That'll be great to see Claude. Always uh, appreciate his wisdom and uh, experience. I think he's in better shape than I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> 47. So you're gonna, it's gonna live forever. You're gonna get Charlie Pride to sing for us while we're down there, Steve. Oh, maybe. Who knows? I mean, he was kind of my uh, idol growing up, and uh, also a baseball guy. So maybe that's right. He's a minor league baseball player, right? He yeah. Got maybe we can talk him into coming and and uh, singing "Kissing an Angel Good Morning" or something like that <laughs> for us. Yeah, he can. Uh, he can kiss Mike Trout, right? And, yeah. <laughs> Well, Jim, you know, I, one of the things that uh, is really uh, extremely impressive to me was uh, that you were able to get this brewery up and going in time for opening day, you know, and, and, and opening breweries is always a challenge trying to, you know, get all of the equipment ordered, get the people, blah, blah, blah. And you had an extra requirement. It's really got to be ready for opening day. I mean, you must have been putting in 15, 20 hours a day some some weeks, or some days, right? The the I guess I was going to say sad or unfortunate. 
But the, rea the reality of the situation is everyone still is pretty much working those hours. You know, it's one of the, uh, I won't go through the details of the analogy, but one of my coworkers, Hannah, who's been around since the very beginning and has been an amazing part of this project, uh, kind of equated it to childbirth and that when we opened it, anyways, I'll stop there. But Without an epidural. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, so, yeah, so on one hand, it was good, I guess, in quotation marks, that we had a, a defined end that we needed to hit, because sometimes, you know, construction projects in general can just go on forever. Uh, but it, it was a real lift, and uh, we're, I'm really proud of our team that we got it together, both the team that's, uh, you know, employees here at McKellar NYC, as well as all our partners, architects, contractors, and whatnot. It was, uh, it was crazy, but we're, uh, we're, we're a little bit past the starting line now. We've got a lot, lot to go and a lot of room to improve, but we're, we're in the game. Well, I said, just seeing the, the space and having the beer, you guys have, have already hit a home run, so well done. Thank you very much. Appreciate you saying that. Brian, uh, so Champlain, uh, still frozen, but things yes. are looking good. Spring's yes. coming. We just went uh, to Florida to see, see Claude. We yep. got to play a little golf, so yeah. it's, uh, it's quite interesting. We got home, uh, there was two, three inches of snow on the ground, and it's supposed to snow Saturday and Sunday. So, mm -hmm. But we don't. I don't think uh, Champlain. You're you're in Vermont, so I don't think we get uh, spring anymore. I think it goes from <laughs> winter. You get maybe a week of spring, and then summer shows up. Right. So, so I'm looking forward to that. Anything going on unusual or uh, in, in the malt business itself, the barley business right now? I mean, we're we're obviously very focused on hops, but uh, anything going on in malt and barley? In the last no, nothing. Nothing. Nothing unusual. I mean, last year, obviously. Uh, North America, especially Canada, had an absolute outstanding crop. Uh, Europe, continental Europe, so-so. Um, and the U.K. was, was marginal. Denmark had a, actually a decent crop, actually. So, um, Things so, are coming out of winter dormancy. That's correct. Looking good. That's correct. I mean, uh, there's nothing at this point. Uh, plantings are going in in the U.K. There's nothing at this point that, that we know that gives us any kind of uh, positive or negative. Very good. Uh, Steve, Mariners had a, an okay week, and the Twins had an okay week. Uh, still slightly above 500, huh? They're doing well out of the shoot, but for crying out loud, Brian, break up the Mets. What is oh going on back there? Oh, huh? it's, it's our year. I'm feeling pretty good about it. It's, and, you know, Daniel Murphy was a Met, and uh, I love Daniel Murphy. And, uh, he's a national now, yeah. and he's been on the DL. Uh, when he comes back, they scare. Me. But yep. uh, but right now, I mean, make hay while the sunshine, and they are they are playing some good baseball. They're off to a good start. Pitching is doing extremely they, well, which is the key for the Mets. They can stay healthy. Um, obviously, we got some catcher issues right now, but uh, they got some they got some things in the works. I was reading this morning, so mm. uh, we'll see if they can convince the Marlins to part with the part with that that fellow. Mm. Uh, hopefully, we don't have to give up too much. But the pitching is outstanding, and the Bullpen. I mean, when you've got Selman coming out of the bullpen and uh, Lugo coming out of the bullpen, yeah. who are typical starters on, a, on any other team, um, and that starting starting rotation. Tell, tell me a little bit about Mickey Callaway. He he was a pitching coach, right? He was, yes, and he. Uh, I mean, seems to be a player's coach, and they are responding to him. Um, you know, I was impressed. I watched the game the other night. We watched a lot of games, obviously. We were watching him play the, the Marlins the other day, and 
and Dark Knight seemed to be struggling a little bit, and and uh, the announcers are like, they got to get somebody up, they got to get somebody up, and he he stuck with it and he got out of it. Um, they ended up winning that game, but uh, I think uh, the confidence that he showed in him, uh, I'm sure resonate will resonate with with Matt Harvey. Uh, it certainly did with me. I was surprised by that. I thought he'd get somebody up quickly, and he did not, and uh, let him work his way out of it. So that was pretty good. It's obviously early in the year, but the two the teams with the, the two best records are the Mets and the Red Sox, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe we'll see a redo here in uh, in 2018, where they're well, both off to the good start. I expected uh, because the Royals won in '85, and then the Mets won in '86, yeah. and I and then the Royals won in. Uh, in 15, was it? So I was expecting us to win in, in 2016. That did not happen. So right. I'll take 2016. I'll be fine with it. Yeah. Better late than never. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, next week uh, we're going to be talking uh, with some of our, our, our great brewers in uh, in Chicago. Uh, so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, Steve, uh, any any parting words? Uh, I, I, I guess I'll part the way I usually do, uh, Jim. We're wishing you nothing but uh, good hops. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks very much, Jim, for uh, for welcoming us into your brewery. Brian, thanks very much for being a guest host with us today. Yes, thank you. Looking forward to watching the game now. It's uh, Jacob DeGrom T-shirt day, so we get a Jacob DeGrom T-shirt. Awesome. I did not know that. It looks like it's got a little bit of a Danish design to it. It's a little bit funky, so I think we've got that going. Hey, well, Jakob, who's the COO of McKellar, always – guides me and says, when you, when you see Syndergaard, you got to tell him that you spelled his name wrong. Because <laughs> uh, I guess when, when some people came over to the United States, there was you know, just some spelling here and there or whatever. And I, I honestly don't remember the detail. I'm like, you know, I'm probably not going to tell him that if I see <laughs> Probably <it."> not. <laughs> anyway, well, thanks, everybody. Uh, again, as always, if you've got any comments about our podcast, please let us know. Take care, everybody, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Take care.